Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So as always, before we jump into tonight's show, we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and just dive right on in. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. So, as I said, let's just jump right on into tonight's show. So, I... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I try to be positive, really. If it, You know, for people who know me, I'm actually a very upbeat... I Well... I'm like, wait a minute. No, I actually am. I think I'm um, generally an optimistic person. Uh, I am a hopeful person. So I I really do try to um, radiate, emit positivity. But sometimes people make it hard. Some people in particular. So I did a few things today one of which uh, involved going to the Boston City Council meeting. So I could only go for a short period because uh, I, you know, ran over to City Hall during my lunch break, and then I had, of course, run back to my office and get back to work. But, you know, I just kind of sat there just observing everything, and I took everything in. And I really wish that more Boston City Councilors, or maybe I shouldn't say more, I'll say all of the Boston City Councilors could take a page out of the book of members of other municipalities, you know, other city councils, town councils, because we really do have still, unfortunately, a few members of the council, and I just, I... I just don't really have any use for them. I, I'm just, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. I think that you go in, you go in prepared, you put your head down, and you do your job. And, and I appreciate that some people are maybe more given to a little bit of flamboyance or, you know, they're more... Uh, you know, idiosyncratic. <laughs> they have their little peculiarities. And, and then there's nothing wrong with that. Boston has always, I think, had room for the unorthodox, as conservative as we, believe or not, have largely been. And, and to some extent, we still are. It's just people don't want to get out and vote. And let me just say a word about that. You know, people, all the energy that people put into complaining about Michelle Wu, and for the people who are outside of Boston who might not be as familiar with um, Boston politics, Michelle Wu is our mayor. For all the people who are complaining about Michelle Wu, all they had to do was get out and vote. That's all they had to do. The voter turnout was a, (laughs) it was a, Abysmal. It was so bad. It was absolutely horrible. And not only that, but a number of Bostonians allowed themselves to be gaslit. They allowed themselves to to believe that we had to have a female mayor. Why? 
And, and it couldn't be just a female mayor. It had to be a female of color. Okay, so just it wasn't enough that we have a woman. It had to be a woman of color. Why? Because you know, if there had been a female of color who stood up as a conservative to boot, or in addition, that might be a better way to phrase it, I can tell you that all these people who were insisting that we just absolutely had to have a woman of color as mayor, they would not have been behind her at all. In fact, they would have been take they would have been lining up. They would have been taking turns to take a swing at her. It would have been vicious. There would have been a bloodbath. So it, it's just really it's sad because people allowed themselves to be pushed and bullied into believing that we needed to have a mayor that fit a certain profile. So rather than have the qualifications for the job to be the best fit for the mayor, given the responsibilities, given the purview of the office, no, we we had to instead prioritize gender and color and, 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 you know, and, and, and then now people are upset. Well, it's, I'm sorry, but there should have been more people who stood up and said, you know what? Why do we, why do we have to have a female of color as mayor, as our next mayor? Why don't, why don't, why don't we insist on having the best qualified person? Michael Flaherty wanted to run for mayor. We could have had an outstanding, a phenomenal mayor. And who stands up? Anissa Sabi George, running as the moderate that she never was, running as the light, Republican light candidate that she never was, and the in promising to be the Republican light mayor that she would never be, not only because she would never get elected, but because she could never actually be a Republican in terms of expressing the values, the core values of the party, she at least couldn't do it convincingly. So it's it's just, it's sad. And then, you know, Michelle, of course, stood up. And you had Kim Janey. You knew Kim Janey was going to run. Why? Well, because she was already acting mayor. And Kim thought it was a slam dunk. You know, and it's like, that's just not how it worked. <laughs> that's not how it worked. I mean, Michelle had a, a big advantage in that she had been a city councilor at large for a number of years, whereas Kim was lesser known, you know, as a district councilor. I mean, I think now people, you know, over the last two or three years, I think people have started to pay a lot more attention to the entirety of the council but I think for a long time, people, you know, most of the focus was on the at-large counselors. And then, you know, for those who were particularly engaged in politics and community, they would know their respective district counselors. But for the most part, I think for a long time, uh, most of the focus was on the at-large counselors. And, and of course, as an at-large counselor, you know the city, not necessarily, but you have an advantage because, well, quite simply put, you know, you're, of course, representing the whole of the city. So people see you in more places, obviously, than someone who's a district counselor, right? So, uh, you know, there's certainly that. But I think that um, Michelle Wu, yeah, she had an advantage over Kim Jeannie because she had been an at-large counselor, whereas Kim was district. But also, Michelle had been, oh, 
she had been campaigning for mayor for quite frankly a long time. You know, she she went about it relatively quietly. I don't think it was a big secret. I think it was more an open secret, and then it became an open, open secret. Uh, the closer we got to 2021, I think that, um, I don't know. I, 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 I think that people want to complain, not everybody, but I think there are a certain amount of people who want to complain about things that they, quite frankly, let happen. I mean, again, we we had choices. Michael Flaherty wanted to run. He would have been an, I mean, just an absolutely phenomenal mayor. I have never met anyone who knows this city, every nook and cranny. I have never met anybody who knows this city better than Michael Flaherty. Ed Flynn knows it pretty well, too. He's another great, you know, uh, great uh, public servant. He's he's pretty spectacular. But when I tell you Michael Flaherty knows the city, I mean, he knows the city. Like every nook, like every neighborhood. I don't care what demographic you're talking about. Michael knows people there. And it's not just down to the longevity of his career. It's because Michael, like Eddie Flynn, they belong to a school where you stand up and you run for a position that you're qualified for. You have people like Julia Mejia, and I am going to drag Julia. I am. Because I have beef with Julia. (laughs) I've got beef with Julia right now for, for a number of very good reasons. I'm going to drag her because she said at one point, and it was very recently too, she said, well, I, you know, I took some time. I mean, it took me some time to learn this job. And I said to myself, my goodness gracious, how many people get the luxury of being able to learn a job Without having to answer to anybody, because, I mean, technically, of course, she's supposed to answer to the people. But, you know, you have you have this breed now of politicians, and they don't think they have to answer to the people. While they're talking about the people, they're honestly answering to everyone but. And it's pretty pathetic, and it's pretty sad. And I listened to that, and that really it kind of made me angry because, obviously, for the reason that I just I just detailed. I mean, I've never been in a job where I had the privilege of learning the ropes without having to answer anybody. Every job I've ever had, if I've had to learn the ropes. Let me tell you something. There was someone right there to say something to me. And it just, I've never had a situation where it's just, oh, here's a paycheck and you can do what you want. And and don't get me wrong. I, that's, I'm not saying that that's what I want. And I want to be somewhere where I'm expected to be held accountable. And I want to be somewhere where I'm expected to not only learn, but then go on to excel. That, that's what I want. That's, that's good for me. I would think that, that that's good for anybody. My point, quite simply, is, though, that I think that if you're going to, why would you stand up to run for an office without understanding your responsibilities and without, quite frankly, knowing the geography. Because I don't think Julia Mejia uh, knew the geography of the entire city. She knew what she knew, her little pockets, where she went. But that's about it. 
And she's not really unique. You know, she wants to gripe about Rootsy Luijun, who is now the council president. And Erin Murphy, you know, who's also a Boston City Councilor, wants to get in her swipes at Councilor Luijun, Council President, forgive me, Madam President Luijun. But let me tell you something. While Rootsy didn't necessarily know the entirety of the city as well as maybe some of the candidates from the past, some of the candidates from, you know, belonging to maybe a different school, a different current of thought. What I will say about Rootsy, and and, and I say that not to slight her, but, you know, when I think about a Michael Flaherty, or I think about Michael Flaherty, I mean, he belongs to a school where it's just you stand up and you run for what you know you can do and you're prepared to present bona fides. You're, pre- you're prepared to answer questions. You're prepared to handle criticism and you're prepared at the, at the end of the day and above all to do your job. And so not to, not to say that Council President Louis Jean isn't ready to do her job and she's not prepared to present her bona fides. But I think that she didn't necessarily know the, uh, you know, the city, you know, what she was running to represent the whole of the city, as well as, say, Frank Baker, who stood up to run for District 3. Michael Flaherty, when he stood up to run for the whole of the city. So that's that's what I mean there. But what I am going to say is that Council President Louis-Jean puts in the effort. She puts in the effort. She made the effort to learn the city. And quite frankly, while Julia Mejia was pulling looks and... You know, Aaron Murphy was scrapping with people. Rootsy was quietly making alliances with people from different parts of the city. And, you know, this the, the races, um, because we didn't have a mayoral race last year. We just had city council races. She, you know, she, <laughs> she was astute enough to, quite frankly... Um, align herself with people that want to do work just like she wants to do work, and they prevailed. I will say, uh, you know, a little bit about uh, Ricardo Arroyo. He's he's interesting because I appreciate that a lot of people might feel very strongly against him might not like him. This is some people, right? And obviously there were enough people who weren't satisfied with his job because he he was ousted, right? Having said that, I mean, he didn't even make it to November, just like Kendra Lara, uh, who was the counselor for District 6, and he was the counselor, of course, for District 5. But the thing about Ricardo is he's actually quite smart, and he's quick-witted. And I'll just say that it's a shame. I think the direction that he chose to go in once on the council, um, the battles that he chose to fight, the fact that he chose to fight those battles, uh, to fight at all, I think he could have been someone where I might not have always agreed with him, but I think he would have made maybe an interesting uh, you know, kind of like the balance against people with other perspectives, um, other positions. I think he could have made an interesting, uh, or acted as an interesting response, if, if you will, uh, to other people on the council. And I just think that particularly over the last two years, and I, I wasn't alone in thinking this, uh, he he just he became more known for his 
peccadillos and what some people would say were 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 sins that weren't so small. And, you know, any kind of focus on the ideas that he has, his ability to articulate issues, his his intelligence, because again, Ricardo Arroyo is smart. He is a smart man. It just, I think it just got lost. But to get back to Rootsy, she just, she was smart. And she sat back and she, I believe she looked and, you know, she... She made her choices, but I'm sure she was pleasant enough with, with, you know, the other people, uh, and, in the different races. Um, but she, 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 you know, she went about doing her work quietly and, you know, she came up, she came up a winner. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. You know, Julia made a lot of noise. She's still making a lot of noise. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the noise that she made on July, um, July, listen to me, (laughs) January 24th, the noise that she made and the noise that Aaron Murphy made. So I, you know, I, I got to the meeting later and I, you know, obviously couldn't stay for the whole thing. Uh, The Boston City Council meetings for people who might be less familiar with um, the scheduling they generally start around noon. Um, you have like hearings that might start at 10, but then they might start at noon too. I, I, you know, but it's, I mean, but certainly if you want to attend a meeting, they, they generally, it's, it's Wednesdays at noon. Whereas, you know, you go to other municipalities, like if you say go to Revere, they start at six or seven. If you go to Winthrop, they start at seven town council meetings. So it's different. But then also you have to bear in mind that in Boston, the city councilors, they do that full time. Whereas in Revere or Winthrop, that's not the case. And and I'll tell you, that's part of the reason why I expect ever so much more. Like, I mean, I expect a lot of any elected official because when you run for office, you're holding yourself out as someone who is capable of delivering a lot. So the expectations are not out of place. They're not out of line. But I think with the Boston City Councils, I mean, you're making, now they're making, what, $115,000 a year? There are governors who do not make that amount of money. Really? There are governors who don't make that amount of money. So we're talking about people who are doing a job full time, whereas a lot of others in different municipalities only do it part time, and they're making really, really good money. So, I expect to get some returns, right? I, I expect, you know, I, I expect something. I, I, you know, I have standards. And so we had um, a meeting. There was a meeting last week. And a vote was supposed to take place on this grant, uh, $13 million, which serviced all of Suffolk County. So that's Boston, Winthrop, Revere, and Chelsea, but also Everett, Somerville, uh, Cambridge. So it was money that was supposed to go to, you know, our first responders to make sure that they had um, the necessary training, equipment, that they were prepared. Or this money is so that they can be prepared to do what they need to do to keep our community safe. Okay, so that's that's just kind of breaking things down you know, in, in, in like the most edible, bite-sized, you know, form. But truthfully, it, it's not much more complicated than that. And in years past, this isn't a new grant. In years past, it's been able to, you know, it got voted, it's passed through with not a, uh, without issue. Now, Boston, the reason why Boston... 
Boston's vote determined whether not only Boston, but these other municipalities, whether they got the monies. It's because Boston's role is, is that of a fiduciary. And that's an honor. That's really, quite frankly, a privilege. And so for Julie Mejia and Erin Murphy to pull a stunt, and it was a stunt. It was a stunt because you have Julia, I, because I, um, I, I didn't get a chance to hear them speak, so I, I had to go back and I watched the recording of the city council meetings. So if anyone wants to see, misses a city council meeting, wants to see a city council meeting, can't be in person, well, you can, you have the possibility, if you want to see it um, and you have the time, you can, you don't have to like move uh, in in place. You don't have to uh, travel. You can just, you can watch it online. You can do that. But if you can't see it at that particular point in time, what you can also do is you can later watch it, the recording on YouTube. They put it up there. So I went back and I watched um, that part because I wanted to hear what they had to say. And it was very obvious to me that neither one of these women had prepared for this meeting. And not only that, but they, it just it came across that they were going to shoot this down just to kind of control the narrative because they weren't going to have Michelle Wu be the one to get this passed. They weren't going to give that to Michelle. They weren't going to let Michelle have that. So let me tell you a little bit about why I'm dismayed and angry. That's even a better word, angry. You know, because I listened to Julia and she's talking about, well, we want to be fiscally responsible. Well, what does that have to do with anything? The monies are, I mean, this isn't a new grant, as I said. The money is earmarked for certain things. You're just approving or disapproving. You know, it's either yay or nay for the passing, uh, you know, for, for allowing or disallowing this money to be distributed to not only Boston, but these other municipalities. So where does, where does this idea about fiscal responsibility come in? But if people don't know enough about this grant, if they don't know enough about what has been going on with the discussion about this grant has been, they're going to hear, oh, fiscal responsibility. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 that sounds good. Well, the thing is, it just didn't make sense. Julie was talking about transparency. Okay. She was talking about wanting to unpack things. Well, what precisely did you need to unpack? If there are things that you are still stuck on, then you should have come to that meeting because you, she, she was the one who put the motion in place. She 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 uh, put forth a motion for it to go to committee, and then Aaron Murphy seconded it. What was it that Julia Mejia needed to unpack? What what exactly did she need to unpack? She never said. And I mean, I'm thinking, well, between the first meeting. And the second meeting, why, why is it that you could not have discussed anything with your colleagues? Why is it that you didn't get any homework done? Because you clearly didn't. Brian Worrell, Councilor Worrell for District 4, clearly did. And for the people who are less familiar, that's, you know, uh, District 4... It's it's Dorchester, part of Dorchester that borders, uh, well, not all of Dorchester that borders Mattapan, but some, you know, certainly all of that part of Dorchester. But it also goes up into a part of Dorchester called Lower Mills, like goes through Ashmont, Lower Mills. Uh, there's Mattapan. I believe Rosendale is still in it. So that's that's a lot of what he has. But to get back to the point, Brian Worrell did his homework. 
you know, he even, you know, alluded to some of what he did. You know, I talked to the police and, you know, I, I feel com- comfortable now and, you know, voting yes. Liz Braden, she did, Braden, she did her homework. Uh, District 9 counselor, that's Alston and Brighton neighborhoods in Boston. She did her homework. There was a discrepancy in language between, uh, you know, regarding this grant between the docket and the report on the grant. And so for her, she wanted to, there was, there was language about using this money for natural disasters. So that was her sticking point. Like, well, what can we, can we like kind of, can we parse this a little bit more? And so, can we, you know, what, you know, what version are we going with? Okay. But she had done her homework. So when she came, she said, okay, we're doing this version. I feel comfortable. Let's go. Julia Mejia is going to stand up there talking about how we need to unpack things. What did we need to unpack? This isn't a game. This, I mean, it wasn't a game. You had people, a lot of people. And a lot of municipalities that were counting on this money, that needed this money. And she's up there doing performative politics. Then you had Erin Murphy, because I know the two of them cooked this up. Okay, so you had, and so someone might say, well, Rachel, how do you know? Well, okay, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'll tell, you know, and, and so far as it was deliberate. But I'll tell you this, neither one of them made sense. And their reasoning for Julia for a mo- you know, motion for it to go to hearing and, and, and Murphy seconded it, it didn't make it didn't make sense. So let's hop over to what Erin Murphy had to say. So she wanted to know more about the questions that people had and, and the answers. Okay, well. Didn't you hear some of those questions at the last meeting? I mean, did you not? I mean, I knew what I knew what Liz Breeden's question was. How did you not know? Brian Worrell, I mean, I'm sure I'm I mean, I'm fairly certain that you had an idea at the very least of what some of his concerns were. I mean, he's generally pretty plain spoken. Um, he's pretty clear. So what exactly, do, uh, how they got answered? Well, based on the question, that tells you where they needed to go get their answers. Or that gives you an indication. And if you really were so concerned about the questions and the answers... If you were truly legitimately concerned, why didn't you talk to these people before the meeting? I asked Erin Murphy. I called her office. No lie. I called her office on Friday of last week. So what are we looking at? We're looking at today's the 31st, Thursday, 28th, 27th, so the 26th. Called her office. And the person I talked to sure sounded like Erin Murphy. I said, is this Erin Murphy? Sarah Murphy, no, no, it's it's her office. Okay, all right, sure, let's go with that. But I said, what did Councillor Erin Murphy do to prepare for this meeting? Prepare? Yes, what did Councillor Erin Murphy do to prepare for this meeting? Well, uh, Mayor Wu refiled the grant. Yeah, I, I know all that. I'm not asking about that. And then it was, then it became, well, I'll, I'll just, if I could take your, your, your email, your information, your email, and, you know, I'll get back to you. She's not going to get back to me because it was Erin. And if I'm wrong, I'll be mightily surprised. So you can't even tell your office, even if it wasn't, actually wasn't her, anyone in her office should have been able to tell me you know, what the counselor was doing, what she had been doing, 
and, and what the sticking points were for her. They should have been able to go into detail. This was this vote was a pretty big one. It got a lot of press. Erin had a lot to say about it. And then she turned around and pulled this mess. You know, I'm sorry, but I I was not pleased. And 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 to jump back to Miss Julia, I I tried to speak with someone. I did speak with a couple of people in her office. They had no idea what I was talking about when I was talking about the grant. So they didn't even know what the grant itself was. They didn't even they weren't even familiar with that. So I'm just I, I you know, here I am you know, kind of put it, piecing all this together. And the more I think about it, the angrier I got, because you have two, two counselors standing up there. One is saying, well, we need transparency, fiscal responsibility, unpacking things. Another one wants to know, well, what the questions were and how exactly they were answered. Are you serious? You're making over a hundred. You're making one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year. Do better, or step the heck down. Really, let's get Bridget Nay Walsh on there. Yeah, that that'd be great. Let one of those women step down, and then we get Bridget Nay Walsh on. You know, Bridget Nay Walsh was someone who ran in two thousand nineteen. Fantastic candidate. Ran in uh, twenty twenty one. And uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Forgive me. She ran in 2020. Mm, hold on. Okay. The years all bleed into one another. Uh, so much going on, right? And everything is just a blur. She ran in 2021. Thought she was absolutely fabulous. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and then she ran in 2023. That's it. And so she just, she's just great. She's wonderful, and I'm so sorry she didn't make it on the council. Very happy that Henry Santana made it on the council, but very unhappy that Bridget didn't get on. And let's talk about Henry Santana, because the irony in those two women, because um, both of them actually end up saying, too, that they had a concern that there were you know several new counselors, and they just all needed to talk things over, you know, talk and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, the chair, the standing committee to which this issue, this matter was referred, was a new counselor. So I'm pretty sure that Henry Santana showed up because Henry's on top of things. I, you can already see it. He he just hit the ground. I hate to use a cliched expression, but he really, truly hit the ground running. He was. You can be sure that Henry Santana showed up ready to talk about the grant. He was chair of the committee to which, you know, to which it was referred. So he, you know, he was obviously prepared rather, excuse me, to to talk about it in this meeting, but he would have been prepared to talk about it in, in, you know, January 24th, just because the grant fell under the umbrella of the standing committee that he chairs. So, I, I, you know, none of what they said made sense. Erin released another one of her press releases because she realized that she looked bad in, you know, in seconding uh, Julia Mejia's motion, which got uh, the matter sent to committee. So then she had to kind of do a little, uh, you know, she had to do a little PR spin there or just a little, or you just can call it a spin, PR spin, spin, whatever. But, you know, I, I mean, none of it was plausible. Do your job. Do your job. I was so upset. I was so upset. And I talked to people, and even if they are normally supportive of Erin Murphy, they were not happy with her. They're like, come on. This should have passed. And it should have. So now it passed. But my point is that Boston, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is in Boston now, but you have people who who want to engage in these games. They want to engage in performative politics. They they want to. Yeah, I don't know if they think. I don't know why or how they think it, how it, it. You know how possibly it could be construed as cute. 
But it, it's just like, I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not vibing with this whole like, oh, well, we're the most diverse group. Ever. I don't care if you're not doing your job. Okay, because if we don't have 13 members, we have 13 members on the Boston City Council. We have four at large candidates and nine district councilors. If all all those people are not ready to do their job. And honor. The August Ionella Chamber when they are in there, if they're not ready to conduct themselves in a way that befits the venue. If they are not ready to listen to all their constituents, then they don't need to be on that legislative body. I'm tired. I'm tired. And some of this is stemming, of course, from current events. So let's call, let's talk about current events. Now, I am very unhappy with Tanya Fernandez Anderson right now. All right. So I've been pretty upfront about that. Uh, for, for a variety of reasons, I don't like what she has pulled uh, in terms of expressing support for a ceasefire, for vilifying Israel, for refusing to recognize the Israelis who have suffered. It makes me sick. It, makes me, it disgusts me, actually. It really, truly does. Very, very angry about that. And I can talk more about that at another time. But what I want to talk about tonight, another reason why I'm upset with with Tanya, is because I don't like the lens through which she looks at the world sometimes. I'm just, I'm going to be right up front, right out with it. I do not like it at all. Not one little single solitary little bit. So let me give you an example. We're talking about the closure of stores now. So it's made news and and it's sad because again, this is this is what happens when we have a one party one party system. In any geographical space. And, and, and I put it like that. I, so notice I didn't say Democrats. I could have easily said Democratic-run city. Okay? I'm being fair. Because I think that if it were all Republican, I think we would suffer too. Maybe not as much as having an all-Democratic-run city. And the only reason why I'm saying put, putting it like that is because some of the positions that are being adopted by Democrats, not all, but some Democrats at this point in time, I'm sorry, but enough is enough. And I have Democrat friends, people I really look up to, people I love. And they're like, we're loyal Democrats, but enough is enough. So unfortunately, you have some positions that are taken and promoted within the Democratic Party. And it's just, it's not conducive to a healthy environment. And so I just, there's that. But again, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to say what I honestly believe. I don't think lack of diversity of political opinion, regardless of the party, uh, regardless of the party that's not being counted, I, I, um, I don't think it's a good idea. I think that if we're talking about Republicans, it's not a good idea to not have any uh, Republican voices. I think if it's a Democratic, we're talking about a lack of a Democratic voice. I don't think that's a good idea either. We need diversity. It's amazing. All this talk about diversity. And rarely does it include political thought, intellectual, you know, uh, intellectual uh the intellectual process. It's all, everyone's rowing in the same direction. And so Tanya has, Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, sometimes she's referred to as counselor TFA or TFA, you know, for Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, her initials. And, you know, her, her, her position on these stores closing 
And it's not just in Boston, but that it's happening in Boston is shocking because I'm going to tell people that I'm going to say that even like 10 to 15 years ago, I don't think people would have seen this happening. I, I know I'm being serious. And all the things I see happening now in Boston, it's, it's alarming. It's disturbing. But these stores closing. And so Tanya wants to make it about black and brown communities. She wants to make it about racism. She wants to make it about the man divesting from black and brown communities. Okay, you know what? Walgreens is a business. It ain't a nonprofit. And even nonprofits, they got to bring money in too. Surplus. And I'll tell you, a lot of these nonprofits function more like businesses, you know, organizations for profit. They function a lot more like them than many people believe or know. Okay? So Walgreens is a business. The amount of theft that is going on in a lot of these stores, it's, it's scandalous. It's disturbing. It's disgusting. There's a time I could go into these different Walgreens and I could get a lot of nice things. You know, makeup, a lot of different products, beauty products. I'm pretty no frills. You know, I'm pretty low key. And I think that I happen to, and I'm, you know, I'm one of those people, I don't live within my means. I live below my means. So I'm very, very thrifty and I pride myself on it. And I'll tell you that there have been a lot of like beauty products, toiletries that I get from drugstores because I think that that, you know, that works really well. And I really enjoyed going to the, you know, to Walgreens or CVS and getting a lot of these different products. People are going in, though, now, robbing these stores blind. I mean, just clearing shelves. It's, it's, it's really, I, I mean, there are no words. It's, 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 um, it's infuriating. Okay, so I don't want to hear about, well, Walgreens can't do that to the hood. You know, that's what some people are saying. I'm not saying that TFA, Councilor Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, is phrasing it like that. Um, But I'm saying that I've heard from, like, different people whose opinions align with hers on this particular matter. And they're saying that. That's what I've heard. Uh, Tanya is actually pretty articulate. And and let me just say, I'm going to repeat what I've said many times before. Tanya is actually intelligent. And Tanya does a, she does a fantastic job of trying, and it's, it's so impressive, of trying to make the material, which is not always very interesting, but the material that she works on with her colleagues on the council. She does a fantastic job in making that accessible, breaking that down for people. And she did that in the council meeting that I uh, um, attended today. And she said, well, for those at home, you know, who might not understand. So she recapped um, a particular vote and it was relative a, a relative uh, matter, a matter, I'm sorry, relative, I believe it was for the uh, Boston Public Schools budget and how the process would work in terms of the city council voting and then what happens after that. Where does their vote on the matter go and do they get to vote again? Actually, Ed Flynn, former council president Ed Flynn, asked a question on that. Does the council get to vote twice? Which I thought was an excellent question. And then Tanya Fernandez-Anderson got up and she summarized it, but she did it. You could see she was doing it for her constituents who were tuning in. And I thought that that was just, I thought that was fabulous. 
She's done that before, too. Um, some of you might even remember when I had a guest on my show and I played an extended clip of Tanya going through the budgeting process. And again, that can be very dry. And she was going through it, but she was trying to break it down for people. And, and so that it was engaging and that it was, I'm going to use the word accessible again. And it's just, you know, she stick to doing things like that. And she's creative. She's innovative. She has a lot of energy. She stuck to all that. It'd be great. But she says some things and I just, I can't, I can't, I can't pick up what she's putting down sometimes. I just simply can't. So this matter with the stores. I'm sorry, but you have a situation where you have people stealing. No one's talking about that. Are we going to talk about that? And then you have you have a situation where you have addicts. Yes, you have different populations stealing. You have addicts, but then you also have members of the community, adults and children, because if adults are doing it, children are going to do it. You know, <laughs> you know, the adults are, are sadly modeling reprehensible behavior. All right. So you have these people, all these different people stealing. No one's talking about that. No, it, the, the narrative is that Walgreens, the big bad man is pulling out from black and brown, low income communities, blah, 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 blah. Stop. Stop. You know, it's just, I don't know. We need different voices. We need different perspectives. And we need to hear more from Republicans. <laughs> but I'm going to, in Boston, we really do, in more ways than one. Um, but I'm going to talk about that more next week. Um, but what I'm going to do now is say goodbye, sign off. And uh, as always, I look forward, or I do look forward, very much look forward uh, to hanging out with you next time. Thank you so much for listening. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. And there you go. And I'm just going to pop right back on because I've had some people ask for a way to reach out to me. So you can always reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry, X. I'm on uh, Meta. So I almost said Facebook, but Meta. I'm also on Instagram, and I'm on TikTok. <laughs> so if you have any questions, um, I would love to hear what they are. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, I look forward to hanging out with you next week.